all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. You got me again. I got you again. It's a few in a row now. Um, housekeeping, per use, rate, review, rescribe. Um, and by rescribe, we, we do mean subscribe. And we know, yes. Um, but as all of our listeners by now probably know, it's it's the three R's. The three R's, yes. Rate, review, rescribe. <laughs> and uh, follow us on all the social means at All Bad Things Pod. Email us, allbadthingspod at gmail.com. We've gotten some new mail this week, which I'll chat about shortly. Okay. Um, we love hearing from our listeners very much. Um, I heard from a, two of our listeners this week with some great suggestions, multiple suggestions, for, uh, for topics. Kelsey, who maybe that was last week. I think it was last week. But anyway, hi, Kelsey. And... Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and Teddy, Teddy the mail carrier. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I know about Teddy. No. So he emailed us a couple of times, had some great suggestions. Um, he's been listening, uh, catching up on his mail route as he's been um, delivering mail. There's something kind of fun and creepy at the same time about a mailman listening Listen to, to disaster, disaster podcast. <laughs> While he's on his route. <laughs> well, Please don't do that while you're in your actual mail truck. Do it when you're walking the beat. Well, I mean, I listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Yes, but you're not a postal carrier. We well, don't, why we don't, do you think it would be worse as a postal carrier? Because we don't want him to go postal. Oh. <laughs> listening to him. He's not listening to a true crime podcast. He isn't. Different. He isn't. But somewhere in his mind, he's thinking, this is for me. <laughs> Well, Teddy had some very nice things to say. He compared us, our, our chemistry, to that of Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop, which is a high compliment. I love you, Teddy, yeah. Teddy the postal carrier. I'm sorry I just made fun of you. <laughs> but isn't that, a, that's a big compliment. That is a big compliment. I mean, he didn't say you're as good as Dave and Gareth because that would have been lying, but yeah. he, he just said that we remind him of, the, of their dynamic, which I find really flattering. And we've also been favorably compared in the past to um, Justin and Sydney McElroy from Sawbones. I believe it was Sarah oh, Q, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Who? So we have now been very favorably compared to people who I personally admire in podcasts, which is very flattering. So, um, and he, his, I, I believe he said his, he and or his son recently met Gareth and Dave too at a live. Episode. We met Gareth, Gareth I know, and Dave. I told yeah. him, and I told him that, you know, they said that they were willing to do a guest spot and that I'm just too chicken to take him up on it. And he was like, no, you should do it. And I don't know. I'm still pretty shy about it. I'm really, I would be so intimidated to well, hang with those guys. If it ever happens, our listeners will know. <laughs> oh, yes. Because we, we'll, we, we'll, we will, we will, we will pimp it. the shit out Hell, of it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
talk well, like every conversation from for the next year will be like, oh, so did you know? <laughs> did you realize that Gareth Reynolds and Dave Anthony were on our podcast? <laughs> we weren't on so theirs cool. because we're not good enough to be on theirs. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Very true. They they wanted to know what it was like in the minor leagues again. <laughs> right. So they got on with our they podcast. They swamped it with us. Yeah. Um, Teddy also said that um, the doll did cover the Molly Maguires, which we Which we, we listened, listened to. to, yeah. On the way to Greenville. Yes. Um, and that they covered Centralia. So we'll oh. have to listen to that. That'll be pretty that'll be Okay. Pretty good. Yeah. I didn't know they, they did that so one. They have so many episodes. Now, they're, they're at, like, episode uh, 300. I was going to say, they're in the... I think they're, they're in the 300s. Yeah, they're in the several... Or a couple hundreds, at least. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and... We haven't which, been listening to them since the beginning. Which so. still, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't, I did not find out about them until uh, Dave Anthony was on the Jimmy Dore show. That's right, yeah. And then when I realized how funny they were, I was like, oh, let me go back to their first couple, mm-hmm. their first couple episodes might be their funniest. They're really funny. They're also really dirty. They actually yes. cleaned up a little bit. They did. Afterwards. But their their very first episode is about mm-hmm. Clive and Bundy. Yeah, that was funny. Which is hysterical because militant right-wing people are right ripe to be made fun of. Yes. And they do a very good job of doing that. And then their next episode was about purity balls. Purity balls, yeah. <laughs> and talk about another thing that is ripe to be made fun of. I think one of my... Well, I love the one about... Oh, God, what was his name? The golfer? Who got into? I can't remember ridic- his Maurice name. Flickcroft. Maurice Flickcroft. Yes, that was a really great one, and so was the um, the man who fell from the plane from forty five thousand yes. feet or whatever that was it was. A short one, and it was a reverse dollop too. Yes, but it was so intense. It was amazing. Yeah, they they're amazing. So to even be slightly like mentioned in the same conversation with them is really flattering. So I was very flattered. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you, Teddy. And uh, Gareth and Dave, uh, look forward to our DMs very soon. <laughs> our heads are very inflated right now. <laughs> um, something else. So Teddy had a lot of great info. Uh, he he used to serve in the Navy. Okay. So he, uh, he was listening to the USS Indianapolis episode, and he said, a heavy cruiser is not a battleship. Just so we know, I, as, Interesting. And as usual, we don't remember doing those episodes. <laughs> I no, I do remember that I remember one. It being called a heavy cruiser, but apparently that's not technically a battleship. So that's good to know. Um, he also said this was a really interesting story that his mother was offered thalidomide for morning sickness, oh but she God. turned it down oh my because God. she's a thank God. Otherwise, Teddy would not <laughs> exist. Oh, or have or, one arm or something. <laughs> I was going to go there, but I was going to stop myself. Now, Teddy, but I'm glad you picked up that. Anyway, <laughs> that's okay. And even if you were born with one arm, still okay. We're just glad that it wasn't thalidomide that caused any issues with your brain. But seeing as how you served in the Navy, we're pretty sure you had all of your limbs intact. That's true. Do they... Well, isn't that discrimination? Yeah. Not necessarily, because at some point you have to go into conflict. Well, not always. There are support positions. Always these days. We've, well, we've, we've been at war. Well, but he didn't say he's in the Navy now. No, I'm... So that may even, have been a while back. Even at the time, you had to have... Yeah, to have all your limbs. I'm well, pretty sure. Um, we actually had a lot of good listener um, interaction this week. So shout out to Quincy, Bethany, Alex, 
Brooke Felicity, who I'll shout out again in a minute because she offered the suggestion for this week's topic. Okay. Um, And we've got so many good topics, suggestions waiting in the wings, too. So, And a shout out to The Last Hometown, which is a new podcast that has also interacted with us. Um, And their full title is The Last Hometown, a podcast for the end of the world. (laughs) I love it. Isn't that a great title? I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, they just started. I I haven't gotten gotten to listen to them yet. But I want to. Their website's actually pretty cool, too. Like, have some good blog posts and stuff. It appears that sort of the the um, uh, topics that they're going for is kind of similar in that, like, disasters and stuff like that. But they're also incorporating certain aspects of um, fiction that depict disasters, too. Like... War of the Worlds and stuff like that. I will have to show them all of the places that I built in Fallout 4. <laughs> or at least several of them. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of a couple of them. Mm-hmm. As you should be. Yes. So. so, yes, lots of awesome people that we've gotten to interact with. If you think you can turn inner city Boston into a Fallout shelter post-nuclear apocalypse 250 years from now, it's not as easy as it sounds. Because it sounds so easy? Well, I guess it didn't sound so easy. <laughs> no. But it's but it's not so easy. <laughs> All right. Are do you have any housekeeping? I don't. All right. Then are you ready for I this am. week's topic? Yes, I am. Major shout out to Felicity, who is our adopted daughter. She asked if we could <laughs> adopt her. She said if if you're interested in adopting a 30-year-old Aussie. <laughs> sure, why not? So sure. She's our adopted daughter. We'll, we'll, we'll sponsor her at the very least. <laughs> yes. From Australia, and she remembers this incident because it was relatively recent. So there's two big hints, Australian and recent. Recent-ish, within the past 10 years. I have no idea. No, this is not one I had ever heard of either, but I imagine this was a big fucking deal in Australia when it happened. So, today's topic is the Black Saturday Bush... Bush... Fires. Let's let's try that I'm again. Try that again. <laughs> All right, let's pretend that didn't happen. Today's topic is stop laughing. The Black Saturday bushfires. The reason I said bushfires is because I have been thinking brush fire, <laughs> but it keeps saying it's it's technically a bushfire. But I sort of combined the two and called it a bush. A bush. <laughs> I think there should be something out there at this point. A bushfire. Called a bushfire. <laughs> bushfire, bushfire, bushfire. So That's what happens when only a quarter of the city is lit on fire. It's a bushfire. It's a bushfire. <laughs> so, I have never heard of the Black Saturday bushfires. So what year did this happen? Um, so between February 7th and March 14th, 2009. Oh, wow. So nine years yeah. ago. Over one million... Just after Obama came into office. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Over one million acres of bush, or bush, burned (laughs) in Victoria, Australia, killing 173 people. Wow. And injuring an additional 414. No shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Can we go back to when just a town died? <laughs> right? That was the nice... <laughs> that was the fun one. That was the fun one. That was our nice, lighthearted episode. Yes. 
Um, unfor un well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, there aren't many towns deaths to report. <laughs> Fortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, there, there yes. Unfortunately, there's plenty of um, human deaths to report, so. Um, so Felicity said that she remembered seeing smoke from these fires. So th these were major, major, major fires, but let me give, uh, give some background here. So for those of us who live in different continents, Victoria is a state in Australia, which was it Australia or was it, um, was it the, um, uh, the Vargas tragedy where we discovered there were states in, uh, Venezuela, right? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, that was not Australia. Okay, well, there are yeah. states in Australia, too. No, that was Argentina? Was it Venezuela? No, it was Venezuela. Venezuela. That's right. That's right. north of Caracas. Yes. Yes. Um... And I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think I think I think pretty much every country has like, states well, or, regions or provinces or, yes, like like can yes. like shout out to our Canadian listener. Eh? Is there anybody? Oh, yes. Is there? Okay. Oh yeah. oh yeah. We have Canadian Sh listeners, eh? Shout out to them. Mhm. Mm I grew up in uh, New York state on the border of Ontario. Cornwall to be precise. Well, that was a city, but Ontario well, is now, the, but I'm saying is a province. Yes. Of Canada, eh? Can you name all the provinces? I can't, no. I think there are 12 provinces and two territories. Aren't the Yukon territories in Yukon and Northwest. Well, those are the territories. Newfoundland. That's a province. And Alberta. Yep. British Columbia. We're not going to do this. This will not become the Canadian podcast. There are already Canadian podcasts. I know that I follow, I believe, the Salty Canadian podcast. And true, I think there's a True Crime Canada podcast or something like that. So there's, hey. oh, there's one called Dark Poutine, I think. <laughs> I think it's a Canadian, I think that's what it's called. I'll have to look into it. Anyway, let's get if back it to has, Australia. If it has the word poutine in it, it's definitely Canadian. Yes. It's nothing else. No. Anyway, yes. uh, we were talking so, about. Australia. <laughs> lots of people dying in yeah, a fire. Yeah. So Victoria's estate in Australia and in the extreme southeastern part of Australia. So if you picture Australia down in the southeast, <laughs> the lower right-hand corner. <laughs> um, and the capital of Victoria is Melbourne. Or okay. Melbourne. Not okay. Melbourne, that's in Florida. It's Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, and pertinent to this story, and for those of us in the northern hemisphere to remember, our summers are their winters and vice versa. So... And their toilets flush backwards. That's apparently not true. Oh. I saw a thing about that recently. I, I'm going to think it is true until I go there. Okay. And test it for myself. Okay. Well, so... It just sounds like more fun if the toilet flushes backwards. <laughs> it does. So, even though this was happening in February and March, which is our winter... It this was is their spring, their summer. Summer, yes. Yeah. Well, no, summer, almost summer? into fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... Because it's basically opposites seasons. Like, Christmas is in summer in Australia, which is really... It's weird, but at the same time, I grew up in Miami, so Christmas was in summer then, too, because it's always Trust summer. me, where I grew up, Christmas was always in the wintertime. Yes, the dead of winter, <laughs> indeed. So the summer of 2009 was especially... Well, 2008 to 2009, I guess, technically, was especially hot in southeastern Australia. So hot, in fact, that it's still considered one of the worst, if not the worst, um, times of a heat wave in the region. So it's notoriously bad. Um, now, I'm going to state the temperatures 
that I'm about to rattle off. First in Celsius, in honor of our Australian friends, and then in Fahrenheit. <laughs> in honor of our rest of the world friends. It, no. Ex- oh, ex- yes, that's true. It's true. <laughs> We're the only ones who, who read in Fahrenheit, so yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're... We're American. So, uh, the heat wave started on January 25th, and throughout the heat wave, five separate locations throughout Southeast Australia had record high temperatures for consecutive, highest overnight, and daytime temperatures. Can I guess what the temperature would have been in Celsius? Okay, yeah, I'll lead up to it first. Okay, okay. okay. The highest temperature recorded during the heat wave was, I think this is Hopetown, Victoria, although instead of a W, there's a U. So, Felicity, if I got that wrong, let me know. I know we have other um, Australian listeners, too. So, which hit how many degrees? I'm going to guess, like, 25 degrees. <laughs> Here's, I think you're not translating it properly. What did it hit? It hit 48.8 degrees. Holy shit. How much is that Fahrenheit, do you think? Uh, that's around 100 degrees, I believe. 119.8. Holy fuck. It was hot. See, I grew up on the border of Canada. Mm-hmm. They do on the Canadian broadcasting. Right. And so they, the they give the t- in Celsius? Yes. Like 20 degrees mm-hmm. is pretty warm. But Celsius. I'm talking about records, so not just I understand. warm. I understand. That's why I said 25. Like 20 degrees, I think, is like around 80 degrees. Yeah, we're talking 40 degrees. Yeah, that's that. cr- Fahrenheit. That's crazy. I've yeah. never heard... Oh, yeah, almost 120 degrees. Then again, it is, then it, is, it is Canada. It'll never get to no. 40 degrees no. Celsius, <laughs> ever. Well, not, not until global warming really kicks in, I guess. Even then. Oh, well. <laughs> so it was almost 50 degrees Celsius and almost Holy shit. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Adelaide. That is fucking... Oh, it's just, brutal. That, that's, it's brutal. That's oppressive. Like, the desert here in America doesn't... Well, all might get that hot. Like Might. Might, yeah. And, and this is over the course of three or four days? How many days was this? So th- this, this was starting on January 25th, but it continued for several weeks. <laughs> Oh my god! Like up and down. Sure, but, but there were but peak temperatures. Consecutive days too. Yeah, yeah in like peak peak temperatures. Adelaide, the capital of South Australia, um, hit forty five point seven Celsius, which is one fourteen point three Fahrenheit. Oh my god! And Melbourne hit its all time high temperature of forty six point four or one hundred fifteen point five Fahrenheit. Jesus. Um, both Melbourne and Adelaide broke their records for most consecutive days over 40 degrees Celsius, which is 104 Fahrenheit. Oh my God. And Mildura, Victoria experienced 12 consecutive days over 43 Celsius or 109 Fahrenheit. Can you imagine? 12 no, days I, at 100, I, almost 110 no, degrees. Yeah, I can't. No, no neither can I. And I grew up in Miami, but we did not get any 110 degrees. We're by the ocean, too. That I was going to say, you barely got any 90-degree days. Oh, no, we got plenty of 90-degree days. Did you? Days. Okay. But the thing is, like, they're by the ocean, too. Yeah. Victoria's, like, in the extreme southeast. So you would think that the... So is, so is Melbourne. Yeah. Well, well, Melbourne's right on the ocean. Right, so you would think yeah. that that would have moderated. But that's why <laughs> this was so... I guess that's why this was so... Such a big deal. Um, uh, let's see, I think I... Re- yep. Totally restated a fact I already did. I'm going to forget that. It's okay. Temperatures were so hot that there was a, quote, cold spell where temperatures dropped down to (laughs) 30.8 Celsius or 87.4 Fahrenheit. And can you imagine how good that felt? 
just compared to 110 just degrees. The yeah. I mean, I can't even. People were put on like hoodies and stuff. We have hit 100 degrees here in Raleigh. Oh, plenty of times. We we never hit that in Miami, but we've definitely hit that here, but never for like more than two days max. And we've never hit close to like 110 or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like I think there's been like no. 102, 103. Maybe one or two days here and there. But never higher than that. No, not and it's in and it's teens, and it's two. insufferable. It's awful. When it's that it's hot. It's awful. It's awful. So all of this was taken... Sorry, Messina friends. <laughs> who are freezing right now still. Isn't it still? Uh, in New it's, Hampshire, it's, it's still it's supposed snowing, to get. Right? It's supposed to get to 30 degrees tonight. Oh, I know. I know. And we're in the southeast. But we're going to get into the 80s next week, apparently. Yeah, that's not going to happen in Messina. No. But, but as far as being cold, like, it's still cold here. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's been a long winter. I'm okay with that. I hate the fucking summers. I'm fine with that because we live in North Carolina. Yeah, but not in Michigan. <laughs> I hear ya. So this was this whole heat wave was taking place at the peak of bushfire season or bushfire season. Bushfire. Which runs from about December December to April each year in Australia. Um, bushfire season is a thing in Australia because the country is mostly hot and dry, though obviously the climate does vary by region. It's a big continent, you know, so places up to the north are going to be different than places to the south, east, west, etc. We saw plenty of New Zealand on that, uh, oh, the most house ex- episode. Uh, yeah, the most extraordinary homes yes. or whatever on Netflix. I that think every amazing. episode had a house in New Zealand. It did. New I'm pretty Zealand sure. Had, like, the sickest houses. It's amazing. And kind of the sickest, uh, topography I, kind of yeah, like I, environment. I, yeah. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't know New Zealand looked like that until. See, and I tried to convince you that we should go to New Zealand for our honeymoon. I still loved San Diego. That was yes. awesome. Wasn't going to do that for the honeymoon, but I think New Zealand's on the map. For, okay. Uh, You're okay even with the plane ride? Yeah. I'll do, okay. I'll do something about it. <laughs> I'll do something about it. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's not it's not like hot and dry everywhere in Australia all sure. the time. But you know, but there the are places there are places where brush or bush, bush fires bush. are a threat. Well, and it's called the bush because that's like that. There's a huge amount, to my knowledge, anyway, of just like desert bush yeah. area in Australia. Yeah. And and so there are reptiles on that continent. Mm-hmm. That have been around since the dinosaurs, just to keep that in perspective. Yeah, yeah. There's also really awful insects from what I know. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I'd have to bring my deet. Probably have to bring more than that, and, and a knife. Just just, <laughs> just, just for, I would bring a knife if I was going anywhere, anywhere in Australia. <laughs> especially, in the, especially in the bush. <laughs> I'm never going to live that down, am I? The bush fires. And I was trying to announce it so, like... Seriously, anyway, let's continue. Um, The start of the 2008-2009 bushfire season wasn't too bad because there was actually above average rainfall in December 2008. So it wasn't starting out so dry, um, especially uh, in Victoria. That had like extra, like above average uh, rainfall. But then the rain stopped and the hot temperatures began and that set the stages for these bushfires. So, fast forward to Friday, February 6th, 2009. 
the premier of Victoria, John Brumbley, which is a very Australian name. <laughs> it is. Warned of the extreme weather conditions that were expected the next day, Saturday, February 7th. He said, quote, it's just as bad a day as you can imagine. And on top of that, the state is just tinder dry. People need to exercise real common sense tomorrow. End quote. So he was like, when the... He was on top of it. Yeah, he, he was, when the premier, essentially like for us here, probably like the governor, is telling you like, shit's going to be bad tomorrow, be careful. Except our premier, which is known as the president, whenever he says anything... Mm-mm. Governor. This oh, is sorry. The the okay. State. Either way. Well, our, our governor's not terrible anymore. No. He was. Yeah. He was a bumbling... I'm, I'm going to stop. He was not a good person, but he's a little better now. A premier to me just sounded like more of like a president than I did a governor. I know. So I was just going to say anytime our premier, our version of a premier, which is not the same thing. Anytime our president. (laughs) Anytime our president says or does anything, some people take him seriously. The rest of us do not. Well, because he tweets everything. (laughs) Who can take a fucking tweet seriously? Plenty of people. Well, okay. This will not become the politics podcast. It will not. Let's move on. So 358 firefighters went on duty across Victoria that evening, that Friday evening, in anticipation of the extremely fire-friendly conditions that were expected the next day on the 7th. Fire-friendly? You don't hear that. Fire-friendly. I forget if I took that directly from Wikipedia or if I made that up. I'm going to go with it. You made that up. I'll take credit for that. Yes. Fire-friendly. Fire-friendly. All those conditions absolutely happened. Sure. So, the, on, on the 7th, Saturday, February 7th, the wind picked up to over... Oh, that's not good either. No. 100 kilometers per hour, which is like 62 miles per hour. That is not good at all. No. The temperature shot up over 46 degrees or 115 Fahrenheit, and the humidity fell to about... So it's just a straight, dry, frickin'. So, as someone from Miami, now living in Raleigh, which is also quite humid, especially in the summer, I don't know what 2% humidity feels like. That seems to me like you walk outside and, like, you just... (laughs) Your skin falls off. Yes, basically. Like, there's no moisture. You suddenly... and, And even in our winters here, which... And our house is really humid... But even in the winters here, like, my lips start to chap and I get all this dry skin around my mouth. Like, if I were to walk outside in 2% humidity, yes, I would turn into one giant, like, flake, skin flake. You would turn into a statue. (laughs) Basically. So, yes, it was hot, it was dry, and it was windy, which is, like, the fire That is just, yeah, that's not a good combination at all. at all. So, now, that's setting the stage to what happened. Now let's get into the fires themselves. So around noon on Saturday, February 7th, high winds knocked down a power line in an open... Just for added fun. Yeah, in an open grassy plain in Kilmore East, Victoria, which is like, I think it's a 90 kilometers north of Melbourne. Because of the dry and hot conditions, a fire started like that, just right away. Winds picked up to 125 kilometers per hour, or roughly 78 miles per hour. 
and spread the fire into a nearby tree plantation. <laughs> so basically just like a forest of fuel for this fucking fire. It continued to spread quickly southeast, so that was the direction it was headed. Highways had to be closed because firefighters were not able to contain the fire. Like, there was just no way. How do you contain something that has, like, unlimited fuel? You don't. You no. you kind of, uh, you map out around it and being like, okay, we're going right, to give it to... Well, remember the um, Granite Mountain Hot Shots mm-hmm. episode where they were, like, taking away the fuel, like, yes. cutting away the... Yeah. I imagine it was something like that. And honestly, there's a lot of really great information on the, like, blow-by-blow of these fires. But I didn't even include because it could have gotten way This sounds like, and this spread way quicker than the Granite Mountain Hot Shots one we did. This one... Well, and it was in a more remote area. Right. And, yeah. This one sounds like it spread, like, all of a sudden, like, before you knew it. Right. It very, very quickly, yes. Um, And because it was in a remote area, people were like, well, it'll, maybe it'll burn out, or maybe it'll... In Granite Mountain, yeah. Yeah. Um, now that happened. So the the Kilmore East, uh, this fire um, in Kilmore East started, I think, just before noon that day. Um, and around twelve thirty p.m., like a half hour later, another bushfire began. This time in Horsham in western Victoria. So by two fifty five p.m., another fire. The Murindindi. Did I spell Murindindi? Yeah, Murindindi. Murindindi. Murindindi Mill. Murindindi Mill <laughs> fire <laughs> near Marysville, which is a bit northeast of Melbourne. If I could make a ding sound, like with a ho- oh, hotel bell. <laughs> ding. Oh, I have my bell from Pitt. Okay. I, I need to get that next time. Um, was <laughs> we, need, we need to get that the next time you need to pronounce. <laughs> the same thing like six times. Or anything, Austra- or anything Australian. At least two other fires, the Eagle Hawk Fire and the Beechworth Fire, started that afternoon and evening. So there's so, five fires. Yeah. So just on this one Saturday, we're talking five separate fires that started. And these are just the ones that were like definitively identified. But the biggest and the baddest fire that day was the first one, the Kilmore East Fire. By 4.45 p.m., which was only like five hours after it started, the fire had traveled to King Lake, which is about 50 to 60 kilometers or 30 to 38 miles away. So in five hours, it traveled like 30, 35 miles away. And the column... That's crazy. This is going to blow your mind. The column of smoke produced by this Kilmore East fire was 15 kilometers or 9.3 miles high. (laughs) Whoa. Just a pillar of smoke. The dust bowl. I know. Was mm-hmm. two miles high. Okay, so um, quintuple that almost. That's At least quadruple. Fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that nuts? So. So yeah. it looked like hell on earth was like headed your right? way, pretty much. I wonder if Felicity saw the smoke. Like, yeah, you're going to see a yeah. mile high. How could you not? Smoke? If yeah. you're on the continent. You right. see the smoke, probably. Right. Much less severe in the area. Now, this was something interesting I saw that I feel is a very scary thing, although I don't know why. Um, around 5 p.m. that day, within 15 minutes, the temperature in Melbourne dropped 15 degrees Celsius. So from 113 to 86 degrees Fahrenheit. I couldn't find out why that seems so scary to me or that it noted or that it like merited notice in the article I was reading, 
but that just seems like not right. Like when the sky turns green, when there's a tornado, it just seems unnatural. <laughs> Do you remember when we were in Myrtle Beach at my family Re- reunion and being out on the balcony? Were you out there when that happened? When all of the a storm that moved in. all of a sudden, like the it temperature, do you remember when the temperature, like within a couple of seconds, yes. dropped like ten degrees? I sure do. That and was didn't, weird. And didn't change. Yeah. It was just like, oh, it's just ten degrees colder now. It's really strange. And it was like within the snap of a finger. And then it started raining, as I recall. Yes. That. And lightning. And yeah. So it was a bad storm moving in. So, but this is fire. Yeah. So, Ugh. Anyway. But it's like, it, it, it's just making me think, like, maybe the atmosphere, like... Like, pressure or something. Just reacted to it like it was an allergy, and was just mm. like, you know, I'm going to sneeze down 15 degrees Celsius, and... Maybe. I'm sure we have a listener who's smarter than us who can explain why that happened. I'm trying to explain it on a five-year-old level. Oh, oh, okay. Because that's how... That's right. That's how I understand it. Okay. At, at the same time. <laughs> But it's just making me think of that, like when we yeah, were in Myrtle Beach, and then weird. all of a sudden, like, like you went from like being in shorts and a t-shirt, and like it's really the, nice. Because we were out on the por- patio. Yes, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I need like jeans and a hoodie. Yeah. That happened yeah. within like a minute. It was fast. I remember that. Yeah. So, um, where am I? 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 The first casualties were confirmed. Sure. And by 10 p.m., the Victoria Police announced their initial estimate of 14 fatalities. Wow. Just like like that. So while February 7th was considered, you know, so-called Black Saturday, that's mostly because that's when the fire started and when the worst of the fire started, that King Lake fire... Um, but it, it sure, or Kilmore East fire rather, um, but that did not stop the fires just because it wasn't Saturday. So the fires continued into the following days and many new fires started. I read somewhere that there was a total of like 5,000 separate fires confirmed, but I'm imagining that included some very small ones and a lot of them merged as well. So... Uh, and and I couldn't really find any corroboration on that number. So anyway. Either way, it was a clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah, a shit ton of fire. On Sunday, February 8th, so the next day, lightning started the Wilson's Promontory Fire on the extreme southern end of Victoria, like on a peninsula, and Victoria police increased their fatality estimate to 25. On so, so far, we've had a power line and lightning, lightning mm-hmm. just s- spreading this further. Yeah. On Tuesday, February 10th, even more smaller fires merged, making yet more larger fires, and things raged on for a solid week. By Tuesday, February 17th, a large number of fires, 19 to be exact, had been contained, but six continued to burn uncontrolled. Two days later, on Thursday, February 19th, the fatality estimates went up to 208. Oh my god. By Monday, February 23rd, winds and a cool change made a bunch of the fires flare up again and even more fires started. Finally, on Wednesday, March 4th, so remember this all started February 7th, so this is almost a month later, rain and cooler temperatures helped firefighters start to contain many of the fires. And by mid-March, so like six weeks or five or six weeks after the fire started, 
most of the fires were completely contained, and the crisis was pretty much over. The, the threat was kind of gone at yeah. that point, but so, still leading up to that, my God. I know. So it was determined Can you imagine that, trying to take on... I know. ...something like that? Uh, no. That's why I'm not a firefighter. <laughs> Fuck that. Especially a forest firefighter. Like, a bush firefighter. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole... No. Oh, yeah. No, thank a, you. It's just a field of fuel. Yeah, it's not a house yeah. or like a building, like no. Where you kind where you kind of have like a plan of attack, like oh, okay, if we do this this with with a oh, there's a whole forest on fire. Yeah. How the hell do we get at this? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Um. So it was determined that overall fires had been started by lightning, downed power lines, and arson. Although, oh. the, like from what I could tell, like not a whole lot came of catching or bringing to justice the people who did start the fires. There were there was something I read about, like, potentially some developmentally disabled people starting fires or kids or that sort of thing. Nothing that really seemed to materialize. I, I don't know. Anyway, I just mentioned that, but that's not a huge plot point of my narrative. Plus, it was... I mean, it's just as probable that this was just nature. Well, the power just... lines and the lightning... The lightning was all nature. Mm-hmm. It's just hot and dry, and but the power lines went down because of the how high the winds were. Well, yeah, and winds as well. Yep. Oh, or did they? Let's. Oh. Okay. So, let's talk about the. Let's dis- talk about wind. Let's talk about the destruction these fires left. Uh, yeah. I'd... Yeah. First, to understand the scope and power of these fires, the energy that all of these fires released is believed to be the equivalent to. 1,500 times that of the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Yeah. This is massive amount of firepower and energy. Um, a total of 1,100,000 acres were burned. And the biggest fire, the Kilmore East fire that later merged with the Merindindi Mill fire... Of course. ...became the, to become the King Lake Marysville fire... Burned 820,000 acres on its own. Just by itself. Yeah. My God. So it took now, up like three quarters of it, just right. that one yes. fire. Uh-huh. So to give some scale, an acre is 60% of a football pitch, a soccer pitch, and 75% of an American football field, roughly. So multiply that times 820,000 for that one, or a, a million. For the whole thing. For the whole thing. It's massive. It's so big you can't really wrap your brain around it, you know? It's like the size, even if you live in like a decent sized state, it's like half of it. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I have a hard time like I grew, visualizing. I, I grew up in New York State, that sounds to me like it would have taken off like the top half of it. That's that's what it sounds I, like I to me, know. but yeah. Anyway, so a total of 173 people died, including one firefighter. So, I'm surprised that's I, it. I that's know, pretty good. I know. So, Thankfully, some of the earlier estimates of fatalities, remember... It said it wouldn't pass 200. Uh-huh, yeah. Were off the mark. People were found who had been missing. You know, they, they reconfigured their estimates to what was actually reality. Um, additionally, about 3,500 buildings, including 2,000 homes... Oh, I'm sure. Were, we're destroyed. Just done. Yep. Um, also, very sadly, trigger warning to animal lovers, Sarah Q, this includes you. It's estimated that as many as one million 
wild and domestic animals died. Wow. And that many animals that survived suffered from severe burns. Mm, like sure. There were, there were accounts of, like, little kangaroos with burned paws, which is just, like, the saddest thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, we as humans do way worse things to animals, but this is, you know, nature did some tough shit to the, them, too. So, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to the morgue. Um, a temporary morgue was set up within a day or two of the fires, and Christine Nixon, chief commissioner of Victoria Police, formed a task force to identify the victims of the fire. I mean, we're talking people who got burned, you know. We're, we're talking about they're going to call in a lot of dentists. Yeah, potentially. Ultimately, 164 of the 173 dead died in the fires themselves, with five later dying in the hospital and four more dying from, like, more indirect causes, like car crashes trying to evacuate okay. and stuff, you know. 113 people died inside their homes, mm. 27 outside their homes, 11 in vehicles, six in garages, and the rest in other locations. Um, 414 more people were injured and 7,500 were displaced. Because obviously all this homes burned, you know. From an economic standpoint, con very conservative estimates place the total economic loss as a result of the fires at 4.4 billion Australian dollars, which is roughly three and a half U.S. billion dollars. So, now let's get to the investigation. Okay. The investigation into the fires was launched before the fires were even over. In fact, it was just a few days after... On February 13th, 2009, Premier Brumby announced a royal commission into the fires. So this was less than a week after the fire started. He was already like, we're getting on. How did this start? And and it was just, it, it was just like, no, investigate everything having to do with the fires. They were given a really wide berth. And um, former Victoria Supreme Court Justice Bernard Teague was appointed the chair of this committee. One of the policies that the commission scrutinized especially heavily was the so-called stay or go policy. So the idea is... I can, yeah. The, what do you the, think it is? Give, give it, it sounds like to me, like they didn't have time enough maybe to issue a warning. So okay. it was, if you feel comfortable in your own home, stay there. And if you want to leave, leave. Well, let's get into it a little bit. Shot. Uh... The idea is that people caught in their homes during a fire are given two options. Like you said, stay and fight the fire or evacuate, get out. Dr. Catherine Haynes testified to the Royal Commission that most bushfire deaths occur when people are trying to evacuate as a fire is encroaching upon them. And she advocated a go early or stay and defend policy. So like if you're going to get out, do it first thing. Do it before it's way out of hand. Right. Otherwise... Otherwise, stay at home and just and, 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 hunker down. Well, and carry out a previously prepared plan. The mm -hmm. idea is that you have a plan for that sort yeah. of thing. You know, like they say, you're supposed to have like a fire route outside out of your house. I remember my parents, um, when we lived in a... I, I'm sure they said this in every house we lived in, but um, when we lived in a house in... Central Minnesota, I remember my sister and I had our bedrooms upstairs, and my parents were downstairs, and we each had a window. And my parents said, and if there's a fire, 
we're going to go downstairs and we will catch you. You, your job is to jump out that window. Okay. You know, they're like, we'll figure out how to keep you safe. That's your escape is just jump out that window. We'll, we'll catch you somehow. So I, I don't know. I just remember. I don't know if that was. That. Plus it's Minnesota. They're like, they're like, if we drop you, you'll land in the snow. It'll bank. be in the snow. <laughs> that snow and grandma, man. That snow is fucking hard as shit. It had that. That like yeah. two inch icy crust. Yes, I know exactly and then what the you powder mean. Powder underneath for yes. like two fucking feet. Yeah, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, you do because you grew up in Messina, but I lived <laughs> in Minnesota for a little while. I'm saying we're on the same parallel. Yeah. Mhm. Pretty much, Probably, almost, yeah. almost exactly. Yeah, we'll have to look up Bram and Messina and see where they were like on the meridians. Or mm-hmm. No. What's the on the lat- latitude? Latitude. Thank you. I'm. It's. It's close enough. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was one. This one for the listeners. Yeah. For those who can see. That goes across. Yes. (laughs) Um, unfortunately and unsurprisingly, it was found by the commission that there were many bureaucratic fuck ups attendant to the warning and the evacuation plan. Okay. Specifically. Country Fire Authority, CFA, Chief Officer Russell Reese was called out for not responding well to the fire. He didn't keep good enough tabs of on the largest fire, the, the Kilmore East fire, and relied on situation reports that of, of what they, the fire was estimated to do versus what it actually did do. So he was given, like, projections, and that's what he counted on versus, like, good updates, good constant updates. Versus what was actually happening. Exactly. Um, Commissioner of Emergency Services Bruce Esplin was also blamed for clinging a bit too hardcore to that stay-or-go policy. He basically made the call that once it was, like, mid-afternoon, February 7th, it was too late for people to escape properly, so they didn't warn people adequately. That's uh, yeah. They were like, "Oh, it'll flood the streets, and people are gonna like get caught in the." But fire. you still have to give people an option. Well, they decided it was too late, so <laughs> they decided like, "No, you're just gonna most likely die." Yeah. But at least you won't be panicking when it happens. Mm. Or will you? Well, I guess we won't know. <laughs> God. The royal commission hearing took um, 155 days. And they heard evidence from over 400 witnesses. So I don't think you can blame them for, or knock them for being thorough, not being thorough. In the end, the commission handed down a report with 67 recommendations, including that Victoria revise its bushfire safety policy, planning and education, and recommendations about land and fuel management and building codes. So they were really comprehensive in this. The whole report is actually available online. Which is pretty cool if anyone's interested in reading the whole thing. I did not. Otherwise, I would be saying a lot more about it. You know what? It sounds pretty cool because uh, a tragedy happened and the government responded appropriately. Yeah. Well, is what right it sound, away. Is yeah. what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sure does. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> now, kind of nicely, the last page in this report is a list of everyone who died in the fires by location and the report is dedicated to their memory, which I thought was kind of nice. Yeah, well, it yeah. should be. Yeah. Uh, you know what the Vegas Golden Knights did last week? Huh. Um, oh, for the shooting victims? Yes, I think there were 57 or 58 total. 
It was a large number, yeah. Um, so they retired the number 57 oh, or 58 the number was. Oh. with all of their names on the number. Oh, that's sweet. That happened, that happened when we were in San Diego. It happened just before. It happened a week before their inaugural, oh, inaugural yeah. season started. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, oh, that's nice. That's a nice... I mean, it's all gestures at that point. But it it's is. Still, it's still nice, I'm sure, for their families and such. But yeah. yeah. Uh, their names are forever hanging in that stadium. That's true. So. That's true, yeah. So, as one can imagine, multiple class action lawsuits were oh, yeah. filed. Uh-huh. Um, Rightfully now, so. Right. Now, like I said, the cause of the biggest fire in the bushfires, the Kilmore East fire... Which became the King Lake Marysville fire was what? It was a down power line. Yes. Yeah. Now there was a company that owned that power <sighs> of line. Of course, right? yes. And that power line was pretty old, and was owned by SP Osnet and Utility Service Group. It has kind of a weird name. We'll call it SP Osnet. <laughs> like A U S. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> the pit. The pit bell. Um. So you can bet a bunch of people went after them. And the class action lawsuit alleged that the power company, and this is this is really sad, had failed to install a $10 protective device on the power line that could have prevented the fire yeah, altogether. Of, of course they it did. It was a fucking $10. Like, people died for $10, yeah. basically. It is so sad. And the reason so many people sued them is because it's an energy company and they've got a ton of fucking money. Well, as they should. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever? But but they don't have enough money to install a ten dollar device. Right. On a so that tells you but everything. Just tabs on their line. But that tells you everything you need to know. Did you ever see that documentary? I think it was like I think it was called something like Caution Contents Are Hot. But uh, it was about. Uh, do you remember way back when, like in the nineties, a woman sued McDonald's because her oh the hot was coffee so hot. yes and it was considered like a frivolous lawsuit or whatever but the idea behind it was that like short of class action company giant companies like won't learn their lesson unless they have to pay through the fucking nose you know like what's and then, a million and then, dollars here or there for and them? then sometimes still won't That's because because they have the war chest to be able to pay off a million dollars here very or there true. anyway. I think that's what it's called. I'll have to look it up. But it was a really... I remember when really it happened. ...interesting documentary. But the, the documentary was really good because when I started watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a frivolous lawsuit. And by the time I finished, I was like, wow, I get what they were going for. And it it's making way more sense to me than it was before. And I love documentaries that change my mind. That's sure. Like the, that's a good argument. Anyway, I'm going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, the at the power line, the actual power line itself was drinking McDonald's hot coffee, <laughs> or the peanut butter jelly time that I'm drinking. Sorry, that that was a terrible joke. I didn't get it, so yeah, that's why it was, I tried to save it a little. Bit. It, it was dumb. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate your efforts. Thank you. So, because of this class action lawsuit, um, they they settled for what became known as quote the. Biggest class action settlement in Australian legal history. And this is just a couple of years ago. This is 2000... Well, this was 2014, December Oh, 2014 when the lawsuit, when okay. It was settled. The fire um, is going on uh, 08, 09. Yes, 09, specifically. Okay. Yeah. 
Victoria's Supreme Court awarded on December, in December 2014 a payout of 494 million Australian dollars or roughly 380 million US dollars which at the time was the biggest class action settlement in Australian history so for the Marysville fire another class action lawsuit was launched against the same utility provider SP Ausnet and they settled for 300 million Australian dollars, or roughly 230 million US, before the trial got started. So we're talking a total payout yeah, of like 600 some million. Before US. the trial got started, being the keywords, yeah, meaning. Exactly. They didn't want stuff meaning to go through the. People, they didn't want people to go to jail. Mm-mm. So they were like. Or stuff to be aired during the trial. Exactly. Yeah, so they settled. So, so like, here so you if go. If they were willing to settle for 230 US million. Like, you know they could have gotten more. They could have gotten probably... They could have probably surpassed that. That That's after previous. that's after going through an army of lawyers. Oh, yeah. It's through the whole... Yeah. It's, because an energy company, any energy right. company, has an army of lawyers. And that's what they still got out of it was 200 and some million. Or 300 million. The other, the other people got 400 plus million. So, uh, so four ninety four million Australia in the first case, and three hundred million Australia in the second. Yeah. A study in twenty fifteen, so six years after the fires, showed that about twenty five percent of survivors of the bushfires, most from the worst affected areas of Victoria, still experienced, so not surprisingly, serious mental health problems as a result of living through the destruction. PTSD, anybody? I mean, that would be, it would be horrifying. If your home was destroyed, or even just the threat of it, that would be really scarring. It's no, no wonder. Just think about seeing a nine-mile-high smoke cloud. Yeah, and that's not going to fuck you up for the rest of your life? Yeah. You're pretty sure if you see that, that, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah, just going to, might as well give up now. So, if you live through that... Sadly, you're going to be still seeing that smoke cloud for the plus, rest of your life. Plus, the 173 people had family members, yeah. had friends, had co-workers, so obviously lots of PTSD to deal with. This I found really, really interesting. Another study found that the bushfires, I'm going to quote it here, significantly reduced self-reported levels of life satisfaction with an implied willingness to pay of 1,039 Australian dollars per capita to reduce by 1% the extent to which an individual's immediate local area was affected by the Black Saturday bushfires. Let me break that down. I was just going to say, it's, it, are, 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 you, of, are you talking taxes again? No. What, what, did, what did you just say? <laughs> no, but I understand it maybe because I'm a tax preparer. So what they're saying is they... they you do Australian thing. taxes now. I do not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only qualified to practice in the United States. But they, basically they were saying that they, they did a survey of people who were living in these like highly affected areas and they were saying like, yes, this has seriously affected like my life and how satisfied I am with it. Yeah. Which like my happiness has been forever sucked Has been reduced. Yes. Greatly. Yes. And that they said... Like, per capita, meaning if you were to average out the amount mm-hmm. that they all said, our, they would be willing our, our, to Our pay. smart listeners know, yes, I hope. That they were willing to pay. They said that they would pay at least 1039 Australian dollars to reduce by 1% 
the extent to which their area was was affected. So they're like, yes, I would pay a thousand dollars just to reduce our suffering by one percent. Okay, that's I, huge. I, I, I see what you mean now, but that that was yeah. I know yeah. it's a super weird way to put it, but yes. So they're like, so they're basically saying, yeah, I pay a hundred grand just to have this go away. Like I would make that happen, and that's that's pretty desperate you know to be willing yeah that's very desperate yeah uh they're paying they're willing to pay that just for one percent of it to go away well a thousand for it to go yeah so uh, this is our last um terrible thing to leave you with the intergovernmental panel on climate change the ipcc has quote predicted with high confidence end quote that the risk for bushfires in australia will only increase in the future due to climate change. Wait, there's no such thing as climate change. Uh, up until around, I think it was uh, November or December, it got taken off. Uh, guess what the Department of Defense's number five uh, planetary crisis was? Climate change? Yep. It was number five? What were the first four? Other things. Like nu- <laughs> nuclear, you know, nuclear arsenal, stuff okay. like that. But they were talking about, but just the fact that it was, was on the de- Department of Defense, Defense. Yeah. it was on their website, that this is a major threat to yeah. global security yeah. is climate it's change. Uh-huh. It's not on there anymore. No, of course not. Because we have a new administration. Yeah. But the fact that they were willing to admit, mm-hmm. and a, a lot you of people, a, a lot of people forget Part of why Syria is in the position that it's in yeah, it's was po- was potentially due to a famine. Yeah. That's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. And then it... Snowballed, yes, shall we say. It snowballed into intergovernmental action, and now there's right. a civil war. Right. But it started with... Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the, the smoking gun uh-huh. in that whole situation is very likely a famine. Which, Which was caused by global warming. Well, global warming, there can also be a... It, there usually is a very large governmental response yes. component. Yeah. Or a non-response, which is exactly. which is still a response. Lack of response. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyway, that was the Black Saturday bush fires. <laughs> the bush. <laughs> Thank you very much, Felicity, for that suggestion. That was a good one. As in a horrible and by, one. And by good, we mean yes. terrible. And we're very glad you survived our beautiful daughter. Our beautiful 30-year-old daughter. Yes. Adopted daughter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And what a fucking crazy thing to see. A, a, a ten, like almost 10-mile high smoke cloud. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'd want to do in I that situation. Run. No, I would run. No, I wouldn't run. I would get the car keys and well, okay, yes. I would drive. Yes. But interestingly, <laughs> several people died because they were trying to get away and got in, like, a car crash. I'm sure, but I'll take that chance. Well, sure. I'll take... Of course. Because you'll want to get as far away as you can. You don't want As fucking, quick as you can. You don't want to fucking burn in your own house. No. Or s- suffocate from smoke or burn your own I was just going to say, you, it, it's not even that. If you did take away on foot... Uh, yeah, on foot, all, yeah. All the all the toxicity in the air would yeah, catch up to you that's eventually. True. Imagine how polluted that air was. Yeah. Oh, it was polluted as shit. So that was the Black Saturday bushfires. God, and that was awful. And ugh. And yep. that was and that was another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. <laughs>